Welcome to Menu Feed, a weekly podcast from Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering menu, food, drink, and chefs for both brands. Joining me on the podcast is Joel Render, VP of Culinary and Executive Chef for Bar Louie. He joined the casual dining chain in May after stints with Red Lobster, Darden, Tijuana Flats, and Hotel Dining. Bar Louie has always been popular as a destination for drinks and happy hour, but guest feedback revealed that customers were leaving and going elsewhere for dinner. So one of Joel's first orders of business was to recharge the dinner menu with a collection of chef-driven entrees and enhanced sides. He also introduced a brand new lunch menu of quick-to-execute items so guests can get in and out in 30 minutes. Listen as Joel details how he's elevated the culinary experience at Bar Louie while staying true to its gastro bar spirit, and how he blends innovation with approachability and affordability, and where he's thinking of taking the menu next. Welcome, Joel. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Pat. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's begin by you telling me a little bit about your culinary journey and what brought you to Bar Louie. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I've been in uh, casual dining for almost 25 years. Um, So it really kind of drove me down the path of multiple brands doing multiple cuisines. I started my career early on in the hotel business, working for just over five years with the Hyatt Regency Grand Cypress out of Orlando. And then from there, uh, I spent the majority of my career with Darden restaurants, working for multiple brands for them over um, just under a 15-year period. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I was able to expand to uh, a brand, Ruby Tuesday, again, a slightly older brand, Um, did a lot of great work with them. And then from there to a, a regional brand called Tijuana Flats out of Florida, and then found my way to Bar Louie, which has been an outstanding experience from the day I started. And you just started a few months ago, is that correct? Yes, yeah, uh, right around May. So I did some work earlier on um, understanding the brand and seeing where they were at and some of the things they wanted to do. And then uh, it just was such a great opportunity with the team, the brand, the food, the culture that I couldn't turn it down. And are you still based in Florida? I am. Um, I'm lucky enough to be able to work kind of like a hybrid position so I can work remotely out of Orlando. And then we have just uh, about 68 bars across the country from coast to coast. So there's five in Orlando or five in the Orlando area that I work out of. And then I just travel to wherever I need to go. Okay, cool. So how does your varied work experience in casual dining inform your current position? Because now you're VP of Culinary and Executive Chef, and Bar Louie is in the casual dining segment too, but it's a little different. Yeah. Um, I think my experience really pays off when it comes to understanding the guest and how the guest um, interacts with brands throughout. And, you know, spending a lot of time with some of the bigger players in casual dining where you get to understand a lot about your consumer and your specific guests really carries forward. And the getting the learnings on the, what the guest feels about Bar Louie and then being able to react to them, I, I feel has been able to make the couple projects I've been able to lead very successful right from the start. Well, how is the Bar Louie uh, customer different from, say, you know, Red Lobster or 
Ruby Tuesday? I think um, I think the biggest difference uh, in the guests is that they're really, you know, looking out for, you know, a bar atmosphere first. So understanding that they're looking for high energy, great handcrafted martinis and cocktails and the right food to kind of complement that overall experience. Um, we'll always be a bar first and understanding that and that the guest sees us that way allows me to be able to develop food or take the menu strategy in a direction that will give the guests what they want. But in the same sense, filling gaps in areas that the guest has been asking for that mm-hmm. Martin Louis hasn't been able to deliver on. So do you still see it as like a modern gastro bar or gastro pub? Is that kind of your vision? <laughs> I do. I, I think Gastro Bar, um, it's in our name, and I think it's something that we stand pat with. And I and I think the, the beauty of that is that we're able to communicate both the beverage side and the food side in one simple way for the guests to understand. And I do think it's really important to be able to, uh, you know, let the guests kind of give us the direction they're looking for. And knowing that their experience is what it is, so how do we, you know, curve or develop our menu for them and for that guest? Right. So when you arrived, did you see some culinary gaps in the menu? Um, I know you've already introduced some changes, but yep. were those to address certain gaps, or was that um, something that you wanted to do from the get-go? When I started out, um, it really were there was two big areas to focus on. One were more so like meal period gaps, even more so than uh, items on the menu. Mm-hmm. So we were really lacking in our lunch sector. And that was an area that we felt that even though we're a bar, you know, we get a small amount of guests that are off or they're going to come in and have a cocktail. But the atmosphere is loved. Even if I didn't want to have a beverage during my lunch, I love the atmosphere. So I want to have lunch at one of my favorite locations. Mm -hmm. But we really didn't have lunch appropriate food. So we did put together a special lunch for $9.95, which gave you a good value. But it was also built around very much lunch appropriate food, um, like wraps, you know, some more salads, some soups, so that the guests can come in and out at a quick point. You know, like, you know, that 30 minutes dining, but that hour travel to and from so that that's their lunch period. Right. And then the other big gap we had or the feedback we heard from our guests were we love coming in for happy hour and getting the cocktails and the discounts, but we leave the bar to go have dinner. So we really had a big gap in our dinner offerings, which Mm -hmm. led to our most recent menu we rolled out in November featuring our entree section that we call main plates and really making those entrees, you know, guest appropriate and guest approachable, meaning a lot of our menu has a lot of really innovative food items on it. And that's got pluses and minuses to it. And if there's too much innovation or too much food or ingredients that's polarizing, our guests get pushed away. So with the main plates, we really focused on approachable food, big flavor, beautiful presentations, and giving the guests the items that they're looking for that they can understand to stay with us that much longer. What were some of the dinner entrees that you introduced? Can you describe? Um, Sure. Um, Well, we started out, we really wanted to have balance with proteins across the board. So we um, introduced two new salmon dishes, one very straightforward uh, citrus grilled salmon. It's just a seared Atlantic salmon with a lemon burblanc sauce. 
And then we serve uh, roasted asparagus and roasted baby gold potatoes with it. And that's, again, your safe dish. You can easily find something to make you happy. And then we took that salmon to another level and introduced a little bit more spice to it. So we have a Cajun seared uh, shrimp and salmon combination, which is our number one selling dish in that section right now. But we use eight ounce filet of uh, salmon. We sear it with the blackening seasoning. We use uh, 1620 shrimps, a big jumbo shrimp combined Mm -hmm. with it. And then the sauce itself is all built in a saute pan. So deglazing the shrimp, building it with beurre blanc to get that Cajun flavor, but not too spicy because, again, all the food really has to play with our beverage program. Because mm-hmm. if you're enjoying our handcrafted martinis or you have a favorite cocktail, we want to make sure the food complements it, not overpowers it or pushes you away from the cocktail side of things as well. Right. And did you introduce some like shareables and appetizers too? I, I thought I, you know, read something about that. We did. We added a couple um, that maybe were a little gap. So like we, we added cheese curds, which again, some of these things sound pretty straightforward, but there are trends associated with them and they are things that guests are looking for. And if you don't have them, they can become a decision maker um, for the guests. So, you know, we added that in, we added um, truffle fries in. So we're doing a steak frite on our main plate and we're using it with truffle fries with truffle aioli, mm-hmm. garlic brush, 12 ounce seared New York strip steak. So then we took those fries and we also made it as a standalone appetizer in our bar bite section. Mm-hmm. Again, making sure the guests have the ability to have shareables, uh, things they want to nibble on with a drink, or progress right into some of our, you know, uh, signature burgers, main plates, items like that. So was there anything on the menu that you wouldn't touch because it's really kind of a signature and it always did well for Bar Louie? You know, there's a really colorful past with Bar Louie where they kind of built their food up. um, But with some of the changes we've gone through and with COVID, it really, it really wasn't like we absolutely can't touch this, but it was definitely things for us to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we did a lot of consumer insights work in the beginning to get an understanding of where the guests wanted us to go. But there was really nothing where the guests said, oh, please don't leave, the, you know, don't touch that. There was so much more around. I wish you had something for me to stay for dinner. I wish your burger was slightly bigger than what it is. Um, At the time, we were serving just a a six-ounce burger, which is a really nice appropriate size. But the guest itself looking for value and how, you know, COVID and coming out of it affected the price inflations. We really wanted to give the value back. You know, we have to charge what we have to charge. But if your feeling is you get the value on the plate, so... For me, it's always, if you're happy with what you get for what you pay for, then to me, that's where the value is. And taking up the burger size um, to a much higher quality patty as well, really elevated that section for our menu with this as well. So what is the price range of the entrees on the dinner menu? So we are, we have a starting point that's right around $19 and then they go up to, um, under 30. So what we were trying to do is get your entry point below 20 mm-hmm. and not going above 30. So even that steak frites with a 12 ounce New York strip steak, any other place you're going to be paying in the mid to upper 30s. For us, it's at $29. So wow. you know, we really kept the price because we want the guests to be able to 
approach that section and not feel like we're just outpricing them and we didn't accomplish the goal that they communicated to us. Uh, for example, like that salmon and shrimp dish is right around $26. So to get four jumbo shrimp and an eight ounce piece of salmon, that's a great size portion. And you, yeah, you're paying $26 for it. But what you're getting, I think, matches that price and is extremely competitive across our competitors. And did these new um, entrees and some of the new cooking techniques, which sound a little more elevated, did you have to do a lot of training with your teams at each of the locations? Yeah, it, and I wouldn't say it was so much like intense training to the new items. But again, coming out of what we came out of, it really needed to have more involvement in training. And that was one of the main pillars that I wanted to bring into the bars is if we're not executing at a very high level, which mm -hmm. means you know proper training, proper involvement, understanding the food better, we're never going to uh, be able to give the guests what they're asking us for. So execution was very high. So the training itself was extremely important. And what we did is we took our training program all the way back to in-person training. So we brought all of our area directors, GMs and KMs to central locations to where we could have hands-on training with them specifically. And then when we rolled it out to the system, we gave them ample time to not only train their staff. So they had two weeks to train their staff, but then they had three more weeks to roll it out slowly to the guests to get the practice and give it to the guests before they had to launch the whole menu. And it's really worked well with both the lunch menu when we rolled it and now with this dinner menu. That's cool. I mean, the lunch menu is almost fast casual prices. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a great yeah. deal. And our strategy around it was, you know, again, we're bar first. You know, we, you know, we feel like little polished casual in the cocktail food area for that dinner sector, but we're not afraid to play into the casual sectors as well. We're not shifting the brand, but for meal periods, that's where we'll break. And that's what the whole strategy was with the lunch that people want value no matter where they're going. And the fact that we can offer, you know, 10 different lunch items under $10, you know, the guests have responded tremendously to it. Our lunch business has been up more than 10% from the day we rolled that out. And it just keeps, you know, hold steady now, but it kept growing in the beginning part. So it seemed like that strategy has been beneficial for us. And do you find that your customers, I mean, there are some customers who want a high-end steak that costs almost $30, but there are others who might want an entree for like $15 to $20. Mm -hmm. So there's like a whole, you know, like gamut. <laughs> yeah, so I think so when we put the New York strip steak on, it really was kind of like a veto vote getter. You know, it's, we're not trying to compete with the steakhouses, but when you're coming in and a person of the group wants a steak, we want to make sure we have a great offering for them. Mm -hmm. But across the menu, the price points one way are in the main plates or entree section. But we have six different burgers that are in that, you know, 11 to $15 range. We have a handful of uh, sandwiches that are in that 11 to $14 range. Mm -hmm. And then we have a bunch of bar bites that price as low as $9 and then can go up to $15. So I think on price points, we have a very good variety, not only with food, but on pricing. 
so that when you're coming in, we really can, can cater to your personal experience. And, and I think with Bar Louie, one of the key pieces we have is that we really like to think of ourselves as a group of community bars rather than a chain. So each bar has its own little twist that belongs to that community so that it does become your local favorite hangout. And that does connect back to the menu and the food that we're serving too. Do you do brunch as well on weekends? We do. Um, we do brunch uh, right now. The majority of our locations, we do brunch on Saturday and Sunday. We're starting to test the, the waters on if we can expand brunch on a, to a Friday and a Monday mm. in connection with our lunch menu to see if we can get a little bit more traffic. Again, our guests aren't, aren't always the working Monday eight to five type consumers. We get a big push from industry workers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Try to cater to them and brunch is brunch. So like if I can get brunch on a, on a Friday, you know, I'm going to be going after that for sure. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that the bar is like, you know, integral to Bar Louie's um, identity and DNA, I guess. So um, tell me a little bit about the Bar Bites and Happy Hour and how that's evolving. Or if it's, you know, if you haven't gotten to that yet, just tell me what your plan might be. Now, our our happy hour, we wanted to just shine more light on it. So, you know, even before I started with the brand, we had a leadership change and they really focused on the bar bites before I was coming in. So the bar bites connected to our happy hour. Our happy hour um, is a gap between three and seven. Uh So what we do is we run our lunch till three. We have happy hour kicks in from three to seven. Our main plates are all day long, but the main plates kind of hang right behind happy hour. So we really, you know, focused on all those areas. And in that happy hour experience with the bar bites, um, you know, there's so many favorites. We we do a really good job with wings, both bone in and boneless. So we have a great variety with those. Um, we're introducing different dips that are going to be coming into play. Mm-hmm. Our flatbreads great shareables. So we have six of them on the menu. Now we'll be expanding them for our next menu. So again, it's really playing into those, those parts. And then we do a late night happy hour that really benefits a lot of the industry workers and they're extremely loyal to us. And we do as much as we can back to them. And that's one of the reasons why we do have our late night specials is to, you know, to always just say, you know, thanks for coming in. We know you had a hard day. We're glad you're sharing it with us. And Here's, you know, the discounts we're offering for you. And then on, uh, do most people come in for cocktails or a wine and beer big sellers too? I think uh, so. On an overall mix, we have a pretty good balance across the three. On a sales mix, our cocktails and martinis definitely lead. Mm-hmm. So, but we're really known for the, I would say, more of the handcrafted side of the martinis and cocktails. Um, Ian Welby is our vice president of beverage, and he does a phenomenal job with our beverage program. We do a monthly martini feature that could be a favorite. Most times it's a new one that Ian's put together. Um, He recently rolled out uh, our fall spiced old fashioned for the holiday season, which used a little bit of pumpkin and cinnamon. It was outstanding. So, you know, Ian does a phenomenal job with that. He's in tune with the guests as well. Um, and I think between him and I, we work extremely well together on the food and beverage side to be able to deliver that. 
So do you try and coordinate like flavors or anything or like promotions or how does that work? So right now uh, we're kind of getting through the rest of this year, but we are planning in 2024 on how we can bring food and um, beverage pairings together in an LTO period. And that'll be both with martinis and cocktails, beer and wine. So the main plates, we did a lot of wine pairings with them. When we rolled them out, we rolled did a what was kind of a test, but an early rollout for half of them. And we called it savory selections. And we did a separate standalone menu for it. Each one of the dishes on that menu, we paired with a beverage as well. So Ian and I worked on that together. And then next year, we'll do burgers over the summer. We'll revisit main plates. And then as he brings in new flavors, we work that into the food menu. So, for example, if he was to bring in, say, watermelon for the summer next year, we would make sure we would be using a watermelon salad or how can we use the watermelon as well so that we're able to, one, get the flavors on the food side, but make sure operationally that we're you know always using the freshest ingredients at all times. That sounds really cool. So do you try and keep the menu to a certain number of items? I know a lot of, you know, after the pandemic, a lot of places did like streamline or scale back on menu items. Is that something that you're conscious of too? Yeah, we are. Um, The strategy is really not focused so much on reducing or growing. We do want to try to stay consistent and be mindful of it. Mm -hmm. So if there is like, if we, take off X amount and add, you know, two more than what we took off. That happens to be what it is, but there is no desire to grow our menu any larger. Um, I feel like, again, going back to the execution piece, we need to be able to execute what we do in our bars a hundred percent to the guests um, desire and how much they are satisfied with that. So adding more variety, even though at times may sound appealing on a marketing standpoint, we still have to be able to execute and execution coming out of the pandemic is key. That's what people are telling us. And, and I'm the same way as a consumer. I really want you to be able to execute what you, what I'm buying. I'm not as concerned with the price piece because that's constant, but you should be able to execute it. And I'm either going to be happy or unhappy on how you perform. So that's yeah. the mindset I'm bringing into Bar Louis across the country that it is extremely important to execute more so than anything else right now in the bars. And are you trying to attract a different demographic now with the menu revamps, like younger or more adventurous consumers, or I don't know. What, yeah. what I think, um, it's not so much about diving in after the new consumer. We definitely are trying to attract new consumers with a couple of different things. But our biggest focus is on lapsed consumers and then making sure our core loyalists stay happy. So we're not we don't want to push them away with changes, but we have to get back to our lapsed users that love us. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing with Bar Louie, when you talk to somebody, it's generally like, oh, I remember Bar Louie. I used to go there all the time. So it's like bringing those lapsed users back. And then again, the, you know, the flavors and innovation as we continue down the line with food will, you know, bring that slightly younger demographic in. But depending on our locations, um, we get a lot of the younger demographic, you know, if we're around a a college or in the different towns that our bars are located, 
we really cater to those communities and just being mindful to what we have, um, not to kind of mess that up. Right. And you're mostly in the Southeast and Midwest or all over the country? So we're really across the country, coast to coast. I would say our, our highest concentrations are probably Texas, Florida, the Illinois, like that area. But we do have a footprint in California, mm -hmm. um, Arizona, all the way up into Massachusetts and along the East Coast. Um, so it's it's really like I don't want to say we are uh, like a entertainment facility, but we really try to drop our bars where the entertainment is going on. So we have bars by football stadiums, bars by universities that we know that the bar life is going to stay and continue to grow. And that's where we want to be. That's interesting. So you, you actually, you did mention some of the things that you're planning for 2024. Um, is there anything else you can mention? Will you be doing more limited time offers or more seasonal kinds of things on the menu? I think the biggest thing in the start out 2024 is we've been working really hard on an April menu. So we do our overall plan is basically two menus a year, um, not so much churn, but enough to make sure that we can respond to feedback we hear. Mm -hmm. So for the April menu, we're really focusing on our burgers. So with November, we kind of snuck in under the radar, this new burger patty that I was telling you about. Right, it, um, right now, it's uh, 1855 Black Angus beef. This is uh, a specialty product that JBS has um, been pushing forward. It's a high-end Black Angus that's only harvested by local family-run ranches. So it's very small footprint. We know the whole story from start to finish. And then the quality of the meat and how you eat it is outstanding. So that kind of came at the end of the November menu. So we didn't have really much time to build out all the different flavors we wanted, but we wanted to get it on the menu. So in April, we'll revamp the entire burger section. Um, we'll go from six burgers to eight burgers. We'll have a couple close in ones, but we'll also have a couple wow burgers. And then we even have a, a secret one that we're going to uh, unveil that's going to be a big over-the-top burger that definitely should get some uh, social media notoriety out of it for sure. Thanks so much, Joel. You certainly hit the ground running. You can find past episodes of Menu Feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Pat Kobe. Mm -hmm.